Dear Broadies, before I get to the episode, I want to take a moment to address the June 24th, 2022 Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion in the United States. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety, and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions in this country. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans and people who live in America. Learn more by visiting choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co. If you're able to support others, please consider donating to abortion funds. You can find a list of where to donate in each state at donationsforabortion.com. That's donations, the number four, abortion.com. I have personally started donating to states where trigger laws go into effect immediately. Remember, even if you can only spend $1 or $5, that helps. There are things we can do to fight this, and it is going to take continued focus and community support. So I encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. Like, there should be some things that we say, hell no, this this cannot fly. This is not good. This is not something that we as a culture, like, think that there's like, oh, well, there's a good side to this and a bad side to this. Or like, well, there's two sides of the story. Like, racism is wrong. Let's just say that, okay? There's not two sides to the story. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Pod Broads. This is a podcast about women in podcasting, and I'm your host, Alexandra Cole. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the pod broads. If you listened to last week's episode with Siona Petros, you'll know that I was still a little bit foggy in the brain during the recording of my intro as I've been recovering from COVID. But good news, I am finally starting to feel almost back to normal and way more clear. So just want to thank you all again for your support during that time. If you aren't following me yet on Instagram at podrland.pod.dra.land, come join the community over there. There's a lot of wonderful people, and I can tell you that from firsthand experience and interactions with them. And one of the people I actually got connected to via Podrland social media, though specifically Twitter in this case, is my guest today, Sierra Spragley Ricks. We had originally gotten connected after I attended an online event with PRX that Sierra was running called Podcast Wind Down, and then I shared about it on social, and we have just been in contact since. But this conversation today is the very first time we actually spoke face to virtual face, which was so fun and exciting, and you'll definitely hear that in our reactions to each other. Um, during our conversation, we realized that the first wind down I attended was actually with one of my other guests on the pod broads, but you'll have to listen through to find out who. Now, today's conversation is such a perfect continuation of some of the points that Siona and I touched on last week or last episode, if you're listening to this at a later date, in terms of objectivity in journalism. With today's convo, Sierra goes into how exactly a stance of quote unquote neutrality can be harmful specifically to folks in marginalized communities and how in her work, she specifically finds a way to invest in and create 
create space for black storytellers, creators, voices, and stories. So Sierra was so honest and open during this chat. And one piece that I love is how she shares about the imposter syndrome she specifically feels in relation to her never finishing college and how that comes up in a career field where a lot of people have journalism degrees or something quite similar. So it really inspires me and I'm sure it will inspire you. Plus toward the end, you'll get to hear how this directly relates to Beyonce. So you'll definitely want to stick around for that. But I shall keep you no longer. Get ready to jump right in to me and Sierra's face-to-face for the first time interaction right now. This is so exciting because we're actually talking in real time for the first time. I know. Is that like just attending an event or just I know that you're there or on Twitter I know I love it um because I'm pretty sure the first time I like found out about you and your work was through the wind down with PRX and I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure it was the I want to say it was the code switch episode but I could be wrong yeah um because I remember I don't know I've you know, saw it on like the Twitter ether and I was like, I love code switch. And I was like, this sounds really dope. I'm going to go and like interact. Like, I don't know if I want to say it was code switch. Was that one of the ones that was like live streamed with only the question options or was there one before where you could see our faces? Cause I did one where you could see our faces and then it kind of changed to the stream. Right before, I think it was passing through um, bottom of the map. And truth be told, truth be told was another one that I oh, did. Oh, it was truth be told. That was it. Because I, I like had been loving truth be told. And I saw that Tanya Mosley was going to be on. And I was like, Isn't oh, well, I have to. Yeah. But yeah, I've seen a couple of them now. That one, Floodlines, Code mm. Switch. Um, and then there was a more recent one. My mind oh, is totally the cracks? going blank. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That one that, that just happened. Okay. Well, we're ahead of ourselves a little bit. So let's backtrack <laughs> a little bit just so you can intro yourself to my listeners. So like who you are separate from work and then what you are currently doing for your work. I am a wife. I am um, I am my aunt, which I take that role very seriously. I love my niece and nephew to like pieces. Um and I'm a daughter, like me and my mom, we have a really close relationship. It's not the typical mother and daughter relationship, but it's our own. Um, so yeah, that's like who I am outside of work. I am just a thinker and a creator and just wanting to live life in the most meaningful way. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's me outside of work. <laughs> okay. And then me in work is an I'm now associate producer which had just changed I was a community formerly the community manager at uh, PRX podcast garage in DC and which I really enjoyed um but yeah I'm I'm in audio <laughs> which is, <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun space to be in um and ideation so and curation yeah okay cool and so you're you're in DC currently still right yes what part of DC are you in so I'm on the outskirts. So okay. I'm in Alexandria, 15 minutes from DC area. 
I love Alexandria. How close are you to like the old town area or are you in that like the 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 main street? I'm not so super familiar with all of it, but I know the main street and I'm like, it's so cute. So I'm on Van Dorn, <laughs> but the main street that you're talking about is Duke. So like I can hit Duke and just go all the way down Duke and go to Old Town. Um, so I'm not far. Like I'm in a nice sweet space of yeah. Alexandria. So I'm 15 minutes from downtown DC, but I'm also like minutes away from Old Town. Um and it's become like my second home now. I love that. And so, so where did you grow up then? Was it also around the like this tri-state area or no? No, I grew no. up in <laughs> I grew up in downtown um, Newport News, Virginia. So if anyone's like super familiar with sports, Allen Iverson and Michael Vick and all of them, that's where I'm from. Um, Newport okay. News. Okay. Cool. So I definitely want to get a little bit into you know journey to how you found yourself where you are right now. And so why don't we start with where, where did you go to college? Like, where did you end up going to college? Funny enough, I went to a Bible college um, in oh. Hampton, Virginia, and I was there. I did not finish. So I, okay. I did two and a half years. Um, and because of where I come from and also like just my socioeconomic status, like I had to work and mm -hmm. just a lot of the things that we were doing at the college, it was just not feasible for me to work. So that was the whole reason why I left college because I needed to support myself. I didn't, mm -hmm. you know, have my mom, well, like my mom, she, I love her to pieces, but she worked really hard and she didn't have the means to help me through college. So yeah, I left college and went to work and it wasn't like anything fancy. I wasn't in audio. I was working at a gym <laughs> um, and I was working night shift because night shift, you got paid more, but that was like me leaving college and then mm -hmm. starting to like figure out my life path. Like I knew I wanted to be in the arts and I just mm -hmm. didn't know what form or shape that looked like. Podcast wasn't something that was widely talked about that time. That was maybe 2012, 2013, no, right. 2012. Um, so yeah, doing podcasts or audio wasn't something that I was familiar with or was introduced to me, especially in Newport News. Right. Well, and so can you talk a little bit about your experience with print media? Because that was something that you did prior to getting into the audio. Yes. So I worked in my hometown newspaper. Um, it was Daily Press Media Group. And I, I originally came in as doing events and marketing. Um, so prior to that, I was working like at a performing arts center, um, that was attached to Christopher Newport university, which is in Newport news okay. and was definitely like exposed to so much. Um, I was able to work with different artists. I was able to put together shows, help to put together shows. We had like these pre-shows and all of these things. And it was just so much fun. And we worked a lot with our local newspaper, which was daily press at the time. And, um, through that, I was working on a project to like help launch their new business magazine that was geared towards millennials. Because at that time, everybody wanted to target millennials. Um, <laughs> so we were working on a project and then the newspaper offered me a job. And while working on like I made that transition to print and print taught me a lot. Also, it just it made me realize that that's not the space that I wanted to be in. Okay. Um, yeah, it was a small newspaper. So like a lot of like radio and, you know, nonprofit, like you were a person of many hats. So I did have bylines, um, not any hard hitting news, but like some of the like 
what you would call fluff pieces, like mm-hmm. savvy shoppers and all of those things. Right. I did have those bylines, but um, my experience with print is just the like they were doing a lot, a lot of hard work in news and like local news, and that's very important when holding government, local government accountable. But the support wasn't there. Okay, where where would you say in terms of support? Who was lacking in giving that support? We had us we had to satisfy our advertisers and like mm. as much as you want to do like and they were in the like don't get me wrong the journalists there were amazing um I still mm-hmm. remember some of them off the top of my head and I'll check back in and look in their like pieces but it was very thin and yeah. you were competing with a lot like you weren't just like you know we think of like competition as like magazines or online publications but like we were competing with people where they want to put their money and the subscription model wasn't the most feasible to support local journalism. Um, Maybe a membership model is something that is more feasible, but like a subscription model was very difficult and you have majority of your paper or the space in your paper dedicated to advertisement. And that just wasn't, it, it didn't leave a lot of room for your voice. Got you. Okay. And so when you finished up there, how much time and space in between there and PRX and what kind of what happened in that space? So yeah, when I finished up at Daily Press, I immediately moved to DC. I accepted a role, a position at WAMU 88.5. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, I accepted a role there and it was, it was, it came at a crazy time in my life. Like I just, was very tired of print journalism or just being in the print space. And I knew I wanted to transition into audio. And I was listening to a lot of podcasts at the time. You mentioned Code Switch, Code Switch, (laughs) Serial. Like there's a lot that came, like was birthed in that time and that I got attached to Embedded. Um, There was a lot of just great things that were happening in the podcast space. And I knew I wanted to get there. And it just a friend of mine that was recently at the newspaper, she connected with me. It was like, Hey, there's a job I think you'd be great for. Um, but I don't know if you like you're, I know you just got married. I don't know if you are willing <laughs> to move to DC. And I was like, yeah, well, like send me the job. I I'm, I'm interested. Um, and she sent me the job and it just literally like that was on a Friday by that next Friday, I was hired and moving my life to DC in oh, three wow. weeks, which was just crazy. Um, but at that juncture, I knew that I really wanted to like my whole goal in going to the um, radio station, even though I was coming in in corporate sponsorship, it wasn't to stay on that side. It was to learn all like all parts of the radio station because I want to eventually get to content and I wanted to produce. Yeah. So it was me like learning all the behind the scenes and all of those things. Okay. And I went in there, um, 2017 and by, I accepted a role at PRX in 2019. So I spent two years okay. in that space. Um, it, which taught me a lot. It taught me a lot and prepared me for this space. I, I still have an affinity and a love for broadcast um, mm-hmm. and what they're doing in those spaces. And it, it, it taught me resilience. It taught me great story structure, um, but it also taught me just standing up for myself mm-hmm. and really pushing towards, you know, being authentic and true to who I am. Okay. Is there 
if you, you know, if you have a particular memory of a moment that really did inspire those things. Yeah, I think about, um, so I had the privilege at WAMU of just being like so close in proximity to like a lot of amazing journalists and Mm -hmm. women and um, people of color. And that really pushed me. I worked with, you know, some of the, I I didn't work on like, so I didn't work in content. I worked in corporate sponsorships and then I also worked um, in marketing and events. And then from there, there were like little like things that people were at. So like the pod shop, like reading through applications and helping with that. And I'm like, yes, put my name in it. Cause in my head, it was like that much closer to mm-hmm. working in content and production, but th- being able to work with like a Jocelyn Hill, who's now the host of through the cracks and um, being able to work or like be in proximity or, or just close relationship there with um, Daisy Rosario at Stitcher. They are the ones that helped me and uh, countless others like Lindsay Foster. She's now at WUNC. But these are the people who like really pushed me that like I can get into the content side and the production side and mm-hmm. that I shouldn't settle. And not only that I shouldn't settle, but like I struggle a lot with not having my degree mm. and, you know, having then bosses that like, would only see me as or pigeonhole me into administrative roles and that wasn't what I wanted but like they was like no like you can do this move forward so those are the memories that like been in Daisy's office at times and like talking to her like I really want to produce and I really want to do this and she is giving me pointers and like yeah coaching me um yeah something that was amazing I think that piece is so important and I see people talking about it more and more, but I'm just thinking, you know, the, ex- the experience, like quote unquote, the right type of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and on episode five of this podcast, I talked with, um, Isabeth Mendoza who <sighs> worked at truth be told. Uh, and Love her. I think she was all, she was in that call that she was, she in that was. yeah. <laughs> um, and it's like the memories are all coming back to me now. Um, but she was, she has this great, you know, soundbite like quote moment where she's talking about how when she got into audio, she didn't have the typical like, you know, journalism background or whatever and was just like, you know what, my life experience is everything that's prepared me to mm-hmm. be great at this. And I think that's like, what have you kind of heard or what do you think about that conversation that's been going on a bit more? And I think people are kind of unpacking like the issues Mm-hmm. with that type of conversation I just want to hear your thoughts on it like with coming in with experience like something that I think about is like the pro tools or like mm-hmm. needing to know pro tools going in and producing and for me I think and I'm, I'm I love Isabeth um, so I'm glad <laughs> that she she said that but it's like my life experience really has shaped me and made me more than enough for this role and I really struggle with that just because of imposter syndrome and as a woman we deal with that but also as a black person in America I deal with that a lot like am Mm -hmm. I am I enough for this role like I have to check all the boxes before I apply for a role but right when I think about where I am now at PRX and like associate producing but also hosting podcasts wind down I am the right person for this. And my, my life experience did impact this. Just the way I grew up and interacted in society. Like I'm like, I, I proudly say I'm from downtown Newport News, but like, <laughs> it is also like, it was the least desirable. It's like, it's 
I grew up poor. I grew up in poverty and reconciling those things. Like it's hard at times, but it gives me another lens that I am the right, not just because I grew up poor, but like my perspective on life and things of that nature brings another mm. take. Um, when I think about curating for PRX Remix, I'm looking for stories that are misrepresented or underrepresented for that matter. And mm-hmm. I want to elevate those stories to to the forefront. Um, yeah. So, but the people like only I not I'm not I, I don't want to say it in a way that is arrogant like only I can be able to do this <laughs> but like <laughs> it's not arrogant at all <laughs> but like only I like I am able to like have an ear for those stories that others can't or yeah. um identify or relate to some of those things um so I when I think about experience like I highly encourage women because we are really hard on ourselves when we do this to mm-hmm. go for those jobs, even if we don't check all the boxes on skills, because skills can be taught. Like we can learn, I've learned Adobe Audition in a short amount of time. I'm Mm -hmm. learning Pro Tools right now. I'm learning breath control when talking (laughs) (laughs) on different things. (laughs) So it's like, these skills can be taught, but like the innate, like know-how and knowledge and the personal experience that you bring cannot be taught. And Mm -hmm. we don't focus a lot on soft skills, we yeah. say, oh, well, that's a given. But like, no, that's not a given. Not everyone has the ability to conduct an interview like you are doing right now. Like not right. everyone have those people skills. So leaning into those yeah. soft skills to translate into like, no, these are hard skills. And these are things that experience that I bring to the table. Hey, friends, just a brief pause from this conversation so I can tell you about The Wave Podcasting. The Wave is a company that helps women grow their podcasts so they can build an audience and get paid. They offer educational resources and a digital community of which I am a part of and have gotten to meet some pretty dope women and get some great tips along the way. Plus, the founder, Lauren Popish, is a huge reason I have been able to start this podcast. She helped me find the perfect recording equipment for my setup and just get really comfortable with jumping in for the first time. And here's what's cool. They have a free mini guide that will help you kickstart your podcast growth strategy that you can download today by going to the show notes to find the link to their website. And when you're ready, you can purchase a complete guide to podcasting and use my code PODRALAND, P-O-D-D-R-A-L-A-N-D-10 to get 10% off the total cost. So ladies, come podcast. Do you have a specific memory of where that really came into play for you? Like where you were in the room with other people where it was just like they were totally missing it and because you had that life experience, you were like, this is what either needs to happen. This is the curation that needs to take place. This is what y'all are missing. Like, I mean, even recently, like, um, like just certain stories. So certain stories or like edits to stories that come up, like just working now, um, I helped on black radio telling it like it was, um, Mm -hmm. and like it was, it was a special that was originally released in 1996 and then we worked on the project together to re-release it in this year and like working with my amazing boss because she really is socially conscious and aware but like there were things that we were writing to script for our host to read and like she would just run by me like "Mm, I'm not a black woman Sierra I'm not a black person (laughs) but how does this sound and like I'm able to say oh well maybe we need to I wouldn't say it like this because right. I don't want us or you getting dragged on Twitter, but, <laughs> but if oh, we say gotta it think like about this, Twitter. 
yeah, you gotta think about Twitter because I'm not trying to get dragged on no one's Twitter, but I was saying those things. Like maybe if we think about it like this and mm-hmm. um just in the writing or just curating, like I even think about like the pieces that I curate, like having women producers and for a PRX remix and having black like people, men or women to produce is very important. And just people of color in general, mm-hmm. just so that way it's a wide range of stories that we're listening to and yeah. not the same stories. Like, yeah. yeah. I remember that part of uh, the wind down conversation with JQ. That's how she prefers mm-hmm. to be referred to, right? Um, where you two were talking about like being a black journalist out in the field and mm-hmm how important that is depending on you know any situation but specifically when you're talking to other black people and um yeah can do you want to I don't feel like you can speak better to that but I that's what it made me think of while you were talking yeah like it made me think about like and what you're referencing like when she and I talked on podcast wind down it was a part in her podcast episode that she's like it's something just really small that you don't even think about but she just asked um, malicious grandmother hey like should I take off my shoes and and you may think like well, why is that so important but like in our black culture like you just don't be just walking in anyone's <laughs> house with your shoes on and just stepping all over the place <laughs> but it's that culture competency and awareness that is very important and that's why it's and it's again that's a small gesture but like being able to pick up on social cues or like mm-hmm. understanding the yes ma'am and the no ma'ams or they're just certain facial expressions that we as black people yeah. exude and it's not a stereotype or not saying that black people are a monolith but there are just culture norms or culture references that we can quickly identify and, and it is and it is imperative that more black journalists are in this space because we can recognize certain things or just I think about and I mean this is another topic but the same like when you think about all of the like I think it was Gucci a couple of years back that had or H&M that had oh no yeah I know exactly what you're about <laughs> yeah like those like messed up moments in like fashion decisions and it was like who was that black person that was not at the t- like like that's why it would serve a black person at the table but like just what I just said like mm, we not we shouldn't do this unless you mm-hmm. want to get dragged let's think about another right. alternative or like this is highly offensive or this is that um yeah and that's those even like telling a story with George Floyd over the summer like black journalists are important to think about the sensitivities of those questions and topics for sure yeah I will and that definitely relates to because I wanted to ask you about the black voices matter live stream that you did with Tere and Jean Demby and Mm -hmm. Mosley and it was so good and there was this one part that I'm going to quote you from, I like wrote it down. Cause I was like, Oh, this is so good. And I really want to talk to you about it is when you all were talking about, you know, neutrality, quote unquote, mm-hmm. the idea of unbiasedness, which is not really real. Um, and you said there's harm in neutrality. And so I just wanted to kind of throw that out there for you to expand upon mm-hmm. and hear more of your thoughts on it. Cause I know in your interviews, obviously your guests talk a little bit more than you. So I want to hear more of your thoughts on it. Yeah, I, I do believe there's harm in neutrality. And what I mean by that, like, what are we giving a pass to? Like, there should be some things that we say, hell no, this, this cannot fly. This is not good. This is not something that we as a culture, like, think that there's like, oh, well, there's a good side to this and a bad side to this. Or like, well, there's two sides of the story. Like, racism is wrong let's just say that okay there's not two sides to the story it's just wrong Mm -hmm. um a lot of things that 
happened in the past administration, it's not like, well, you know, middle America and like this, like, no, like it's just human decency. And I think taking yep. a human approach to things and understanding that, like, instead of a, a neutral approach, a humanistic approach and understanding mm-hmm. that we are all human. And if we think about like the greater good of our society, or we think about just us as a people and just humanity, that's, that's should be the center of journalism. Um, neutrality causes a lot of harm. I think about when, and I mean, we're going on a tangent of social justice, but I, let's do it. (laughs) Those things are really important to me, but like, I think about, you know, Mike Brown and Mm -hmm. cause that was something that for me, that really opened my eyes. Like, Oh, this is very harmful. Um, we weren't talking about like, Oh, we were talking about the crime that he committed at the time, but did that warrant him to die? Mm-hmm. A lot of the journalists at that time were coming at it in a very like neutral standpoint, but it's just like, no, like there are some deep rooted things or issues here, like, you know, white supremacy, um, mm-hmm. systemic racism, poverty, like the, I can go, go down the list, but yeah, we're painting a perceived victim as a criminal and yes, he committed a crime, but was that warranted to death? And the way that journalists covered that, the way journalists covered Ferguson, and it, it was just very harmful to the Black community yeah. and to the efforts of social justice. Um, so that's for me is how I think about it harming and yeah. not taking the human approach. Right. And it's like, who's afforded that neutrality or who right. is neutrality like attributed to and... I mean, when something happened and you immediately, this person is a victim and you post their mugshot, I mean, let's, let's talk about that (laughs) or a less flattering picture. Like, yes, I may have rolled up a blunt, but like, do you really want to post that picture? I have other great pictures. I have headshots. Mm -hmm. I have like other things. So yeah. Uh, Yeah. It makes me think about, you know, like with Brock Turner, like how he was portrayed versus yeah it's oh it's infuriating but I think you know it especially that conversation that you four were having I think uh another part that jumped out to me that I'm kind of cheating here but I'm asking (laughs) I'm asking a question you ask them because I want to hear your personal thoughts on it Uh, okay (laughs) you're like oh what questions did I I'm like what question did I ask (laughs) (laughs) but you asked the question to them about like you know, as black journalists, how they elevate other black journalists in like the platform and the work that they do. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to hear for you, like, what is what's essential for you in the way that you move in your workspace in how you're doing that and what you feel is, you know, like everyone should be kind of paying attention to or like doing when they're enacting that for it I move in two different ways in this space or elevating um either other black podcasters and creators or giving them their flowers as I like to say Hmm. um so one of the ways is the podcast wind down I on the surface it's like oh like she's putting together just great podcasts and they're coming together and they're talking about their shows but I'm intentionally highlighting either stories or work or podcasters or creators or hosts or producers who are either black or people indigenous or people of color or mm-hmm. this the story center around that 
or those bodies of work. So like just the past guests that I have had on or the people that are coming are slated to come on or even the topics like Cole came on with TT from Dissect, but he's a white man. But like them two together, were talking about a body of work that was very instrumental to black women, which was Beyonce's mm-hmm. Lemonade. So it's being very mm-hmm. intentional about how I move in the space. And I'm not like, oh, gotcha, BRX. You didn't know I was doing this. Like, no, I was <laughs> speaking up and- like explaining to them that we need this space and it's very imperative Mm -hmm. but also like just having prx remix or just those things like thinking about other people in the space that i can bring on or if there are other names that like panels instead of tapping the same four or three people in the podcast industry i'm not going to say their names but like people know (laughs) and like (laughs) (laughs) instead of tapping the same three or four people like broadening it and not just like no despite age despite like um socioeconomic background just like despite experience all of those things like being open and creating an inclusive space um are some of the things that I think about like we do like audio recess which we did last year or um with google podcast creator program or just even that um Mm -hmm. in that space like making sure that I advocate on other creators and people who may not be at the table but making sure their names are in the room where the other people are in and that's that's the way that I elevate um I think I said on like one of my social media platforms I don't remember which but it was like (laughs) my lanes may not be your lanes um but that doesn't mean that you can't do that social justice work there and that is what's like important for me like I may not be marching in other spaces or like you know just publicly like I, I've done the black square, but like other things like that. But I yeah. like, how am I affecting change in the space that I'm in? Okay. One more important PSA. Here's my challenge for you. Take a screenshot right now of this episode and share on social media with a tag to Poderland and the guest. I want to know that you're listening and I want to shout you out. Also, Are you signed up for Padreland's email list yet? Because as much as I love social media and connecting through there, I'm also preparing for its demise. And I want to make sure that I stay in touch with you and we have control over our communication. Not only will you get important updates about this show, you'll get recommendations of other women hosted podcasts, news related to podcasters you love, discounts on my cute ass merch, and much more. Okay, let's get back into this interview. I want to ask you, just since we've started to bring up like wind down and uh, the audio, was the audio access the hop in one when you were running that (laughs) event? Okay. So I have a few things I want to ask you about um, in regards to these. So first off with wind down, was that something that was like your brainchild or how did that come to be? Okay. Yes. So I want to hear about the, how that came to be and the inception of it. And then like kind of how you got it off the ground. Yeah. So we started podcast wind down. Um, so we went into COVID or like lockdown. Um, I don't know, like sometime in March and we, as an organization, like as, cause I was part of PRX podcast garage at the time. So I was community manager and it was like, okay, we had all these things slated before, and now that's not happening. So <laughs> yeah. what can we do? Um, so it was just thinking about like something that's fun, like to bring up in quarantine. Um, so I was talking with my then boss and I was like, Ooh, it would be cool. Like I watch, I don't know if you watch insecure, but like at the end of insecure, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. she has like the wind downs and she bringing people in. Yeah. So I was like, what if we did like a podcast wind down? We can drink. I mean, I like wine and we can talk about some of my favorite podcasts. Um, 
So at that time, it was just going to be the format looked very different. Um, Mm -hmm. We were going to do multiple podcast clips and it was going to be like a book club for your ears. And then one of the uh, like directors at the time, Carrie Donahue, and I had uh, bottom of the map was one of the ones that I wanted to do. And she was like, oh, I know them. Like I can just we can you can I can send you their information and you can have them as a guest. And I was like, "Ooh, now this takes a different spin so I was like kind of like and this was about a week out so we had already not like we have already started taking RSVPs so I'm like changing the format as we about to like days from the first wind down mm-hmm. and I like got on a call with uh Christina Lee and Floyd Hall from bottom of the map and I was like okay I'm gonna play three different clips and we're gonna start talking about those clips and I was gonna focus in on those um clips and the early iterations, I don't know if you remember, but like they weren't, they weren't Zoom webinars. They were Zoom <laughs> meetings. Yeah, they were um, Zoom meetings. <laughs> and I feel like my format wasn't as tight. Like I just had the clips playing and I would ask questions on the go and I didn't really do all out. I mean, I did prep for it. Like I, I was fans of the show, but it wasn't the prep that I do now. Um, so I think it was, I think Alexandra L from Hey Girl podcast, I was prepping Mm -hmm. for hers. And I just was like, you know, this is great so far, but I want to dig deep. I want to go behind the scenes and peel back the layers of the podcast. So that's what I started to do. Um, I went from not having, I just had like bullet point outlines in the very beginning to actually having a script. Like literally I'm scripting out, I'm picking Mm -hmm. out parts of the podcast that I want to zero in on. And that just kind of took shape. And it's like, and then with uh, Dissect, I love Dissect fans. Um, I am a Dissect fan, but they like, they showed up and they showed out. Like they, (laughs) they are VP at like crazy levels that we couldn't support during a meeting. We had a webinar, but that's why that change went over and. Okay. Because we have so many signups, we also open it up for um, like live stream on Facebook. So that's how that took iteration, just because the audience kind of grew. Cool. And then, so yeah, like in this season, like, it's a little bit different. Like I'm, as before, I was focusing more on the actual clips as like my foundation of the like episodes. And again, I didn't explain podcast wind down, but co- podcast wind down <laughs> is um, pretty much it is going behind the scenes of some of my favorite podcasts, but it's peeling back the layers. So I'm not just talking about the content. I'm talking about the production. I'm talking about the process. I'm talking about the script writing and the scoring and all of the things that make a podcast. And it's a late night talk show um, format in my mind. So, and then it has a very strong focus. I'm focused on BIPOC creators and that is my focus, um, either the content or the creators themselves, um, Mm -hmm. is uh, giving them their flowers and spaces like a lot of the best of magazines or best of like articles or things of that nature. You see very few podcasts of color, um, listed. So being able to create the space that they can have that space to shine. So now in this, this new iteration or second season format, I am, I switched to bi-weekly because at the time I didn't realize I was doing everything weekly and <laughs> burnt out was it's real. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then this time I'm just more or less a conversation, but more journalistic um, than before. I'm not focusing so much on the clips. The clips are support to the greater conversation that we're having. And yeah. you 
hopefully saw that reflected in um, the recent one through the cracks. Yeah, for sure. Well, two reactions. I I have to tell you, and no disrespect to Issa because I love her, but (laughs) I like your wind down better. Um, (laughs) Thank you. But that could have to do with me being obsessed with podcasts. And also, I mean, your work has definitely been a big inspiration point for what I'm doing here. Like, I feel like what we're doing complements each other. Yeah. Um, Like, I guess. So in that, I wonder if you have had similar, like, I guess, emotional or mental reactions to going into an interview before, because prior to starting these, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be talking to people who like know how to do this and that's really intimidating and you've interviewed like you even said like on uh the black voices matter one like teray is someone that you like watched growing up so i was like how do you handle going into like the interviews has you know can you just talk about the emotional piece of that sometimes yes um one i want to say thank you because you're like one of the biggest supporters of the podcast (laughs) right now like you retweet things and i'm like you don't know that girl i see you and i thank you like um because it's all about women supporting each other um yeah and like oh my gosh i suffer from imposter syndrome um is really bad like i'm in therapy you you guys um so i talk (laughs) My therapist hear this all the time, but it's real. Like I, I struggle. Like I'm, I'm, I tell myself, I'm not a journalist. Like I didn't graduate with a degree in journalism. I didn't graduate from college. So I struggle a lot with like, okay, what makes me okay to host a podcast right now? Um, what makes me okay to interview these other people? And I definitely, I get really nervous beforehand and I am like, I, I script out, like I script out everything. I mean, there's a lot of things that like, I, I listen to, um, my like interviewee and like, there are things that are not on my paper that I'm like, just talking about, but I do have a script and that's like my crutch and it helps me, um, Mm -hmm. to have a guideline of what to go through or like, I'm super prepared. So like, I'm not only listening to their podcast, but I'm reading any articles that they've you know, may have been featured in. I'm listening to other interviews that they may have been on, maybe NPR or anything else. So I definitely go in there super prepared and that helps me to like, okay, Sierra, like you know this, you know them, you know um, their work. So it allows me to be more free and asking questions and being okay with myself. And I, <laughs> Sorry, because it's really corny, but um, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. How Beyonce used to talk about Sasha Fierce. Um, yes, I have not named my person yet, but I think of myself as like, okay, like you know, you're coming into your Oprah or you're like your Terry Gross or like, um, oh my god, that's... you're coming into your other person, and that's I take on like, okay, this is my interview so like I'm I can do this and then at the end of the podcast why now I'm stretched out on the floor like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) hope that went well (laughs) I'm like dying of laughter right now because I totally tried to like map out my own Sasha Fierce like (laughs) in the past not for not like in so many words for like podcasting but when I used to like you know like sing or like perform or whatever like I get like really intense stage fright Mm -hmm. and I'm like I need to embody what Beyonce does and just like have an alternate person take over and I just I love that you just said that that's amazing um okay so okay to to that like performative piece 
it's i love hearing you talk about imposter syndrome right now because i would never have known just like watching you like hold these events i think you're someone who really knows how to like hold a virtual stage and yeah and i'm thinking of like you know like audio access that happen event so for people who weren't there and are just listening to this you can probably do a better job explaining it. Could you just explain it real quick? Yeah. <laughs> so audio recess was really a day. Um, you think about like a like a playground, like it's a place where like any audio makers can come and learn, but you can also play, so to speak. So you meet new people, you network and you grow. And then we also had like a live DJ set and just made it really fun. But it was really a space for audio makers to come to a space that are on a virtual setting and platform that was the unconference um, space. So like, if you go to a lot of conferences, it's back to back to back to back things, but we wanted to make a space that not only were you able to learn some great things and have participated in panel conversations, but you also had time to meet other people in a space that, you know, was very, 2020 was a rough year. It was COVID. So we wanted to create that space. Yeah. Yes. So, um, I I guess I just like, I want to shout you out for this, but I also have a question to follow up. But part of what you had to do during that event was you held like a chat with um, some other women. And in addition to that, you were like popping in every once in a while and like getting people like real hype about things. I was dancing in my room at one point. (laughs) Didn't think that that would be happening. But I think, I think you just, you do a really great job of like, like connecting over this kind of weird now virtual life mm-hmm. that many of us are living in. And I I think what I'm curious about is, were you very performative like as like a kid? Like, do you find pieces of like your young self that you can like identify help inform the way that you're able to like hold space in that way? Yes. Yeah, so I am, <laughs> when you mentioned that, I am an only <laughs> child on my mom's side and I'm okay. one of several on my dad's side. But okay as the only child or as one, anyone who grows up as the only child, like make-believe worlds is something that you, you do often. So like, <laughs> for instance, I, I dreamed of like, as a child, like, you know, acting or like another like soft, like dream or like a dream of mine was becoming a radio host. Mm-hmm. I love interviews. I used to love listening to interviews, even as a kid. And it was very hard then. Like I couldn't just go on YouTube and listen to interviews like I do now. Mm-hmm. Back then it was just, being in like, you know, catching it on TV. So whether it was like the Ricky Lakes or any of the (laughs) other ones, um, aging myself, Um, (laughs) but any of those. So like, I remember coming up with the radio show and like forcing my mom to listen to it Um, and like playing all the different parts. I like pretended that I was interviewing little Kim and like what she was saying. My mom is like, okay, this is cute, but (laughs) what in the world? Um, so yeah, there was a very performative nature to me. I am an outgoing personality and I am, I just, I don't know. I love just connecting with people and like, as an only child, like, because you don't grow up with like like siblings in your household, the world becomes like your like family. And that's what (laughs) happens. Um, I, I just find something to connect with other people and just to make them feel like at home, um, Mm -hmm. There are times like I may growing up, like, you know, it's awkward, like just growing up and not feeling at home in certain spaces. So it's my goal to make everyone feel like they belong. Um, And that starts from childhood and being performative and (laughs) very uh, like just bold. 
Yeah. Well, it's prepared you really well. Um, <laughs> so I have one more question for you and then three final rapid fire ones okay. before we finish up. So I have to ask you about your other identity that you didn't mention earlier, but in many places on your, your online you know, presence, you refer to yourself as a hip hop head. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to ask about that and I promise it'll relate to podcasting because I think it will. But first off, can we know who some of your favorite artists are? Yes. Uh, okay. okay. So in hip hop space, um, Lauren Hill will forever be an yes. icon in my space. Um, one of my favorites. I love my beat. Um, I love Eric B and Rakim. I'm very old school hip hop. I, <laughs> I love Queen Latifah, but I also <laughs> love me some Lil' Kim. And so there's a couple of different artists. Of course, Biggie, um, a lot of his music on his first album I can relate to in a very personal sense. And then the poet, Tupac, and Kendrick Lamar. So I have a few. I feel yeah. like I've named a roster, but I have a few. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, and, you know, I think when we as people are like crafting our online spaces and especially when they do intersect with the work that we do and we're kind of showcasing them in the same place. It really made me wanted to ask about this question and how you might see, you know, that identity of being a hip hop head come into the work that you do in podcasting. Mm -hmm. Like, where do you see that relating or like intersecting? <laughs> um, I would love to work on like very, like I, I think about like some of my favorite podcasts are like mogul. Like I remember the first season on Chris Lighty, um, I love Slow Burn season three on like Tupac and Biggie. And then mm -hmm. of course, like the Compact Combat Jet show and like some of these other podcasts, like I aspire. And it's funny because I'm looking at my vision board right now. I'll see you later. later. Oh, please do. <laughs> but I have like, it's definitely, it says music and then I have podcasts. And like, I want to create music podcasts. I want that mm. intersectionality to like, just like the long form narrative pieces um, that we hear. I want to relate that to podcasts. There are a lot of stories in hip hop that are untold in this audio space. Mm -hmm. And I want to be told. Um, and that's where I'm headed. Like I, cool. that's, that's my like next goal, whether it's like independent of, on my own or whether mm -hmm. it's like working within, you know, my organization, but getting these hip hop stories told are like my, my ultimate goal. Cool. <laughs> Well, you definitely have a listener here. I would love to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. So um, three final rapid fire questions. Ooh. So I know we made it. We made it. Um, so first question is who, uh, who would you name as like a podcast mentor or like someone you emulate in the podcasting industry? Ooh. Um, oh, that's a good, this is rapid fire. Good gracious. Um, I know. <laughs> I'm always like, I'm like kind of rapid fire for me because they're quick questions on my end, but it sometimes takes a moment to think for you. I think I really love Tanya Mosley, um, truth be told. Yeah. Um, the way that she just is able to have, she's zero, like there's a theme, but like the theme relates to real life. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I love the thoughtful questions that she asks and the human approach that she takes. I just, I love her and that, so yes, podcasting wise, that's definitely someone I hope to emulate. Um, and then 
I think about Combat Jack and the way that, you know, rest in peace, but like his, the way that his interview style was just so, uh, gosh, I hope to one day get to his level, but his interview style was so amazing. And he was able to connect with so many different people in such a great way and just have really thoughtful and in-depth conversations. Awesome. Dope. Um, All right. Next one is what are a couple of podcasts that you typically listen to and that we would find on your queue? Oh, on my queue. Um, So, okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You're like, let me get ready for this. (laughs) I love Dissect. It's me being a part of like a hip hop head and then like a music lover so dissect um Mm -hmm. recently i've been listening to sono's object of sound so that is really cool it's a weekly podcast that i really really love and i like what they're doing with their format hannah um npr through line um is another great one that i listen to i just like the connection with history and just the broader topics and things they go into Mm -hmm. um the through line is really great um (laughs) um code switch of course I really love code mm-hmm. switch and as I'm saying this like I listening to myself like wow I really do listen to a lot of podcasts but any narrative or just introspective podcast I'm really into and then of course like great interview podcast so I recently started yeah. listening to the pod bras because <laughs> that I think is really great and um what you're doing here in this space is great um so yeah I I keep, and you know, I keep a lot on rotation. So there are some that I revert back to. Um, Mm -hmm. And also right now I'm listening to Through the Cracks. Um, Mm. I enjoy a great investigative piece and especially um, any group that's marginalized. Yeah. Yeah. That one is definitely on my list of ones to listen to in the next couple of weeks. And I also just listened to the first episode of um, Stolen. With Con- mm. by Connie Walker. Have you listened to yes. that one yet? I have not. I have listened to the trailer though. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I only got first episode, but I'm like, all right, I'm ready for the next one. I kind of wish I waited until they were all out. But <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and then final question is where can our listeners find you and how can they support you? Uh, um, Yes, yeah, so you can find me at Sierra, S-E-E-R-A underscore Sheree on any like, Twitter, Instagram. I'm also Sierra Sheree. So S-E-E-R-A-S-H-A-R-A-E.com. So that's my website. And also please support the wind downs. Come to the wind downs. These are, it's a labor of love, but it's something that I love and, and is, is become a part of me in yeah. the most uncanny way. <laughs> and it is a wonderful way to spend a Thursday evening. Let me tell you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. This was such a like I'm like so happy that I actually got to like talk to you in real time. It's such a nice interview. When this pandemic is over, um just let me know if you if you make it to DC before I make it in New York or vice versa. We'll figure it out, but like we definitely like need to hang out. Our original music is produced by Carrie Blue. And everything else is produced by me, myself, and I, Miss Alexandra Cole. And you can follow me on Instagram at Podraland, P-O-D dot D-R-A-L-A-N-D, or Twitter at Podraland, minus the period. And you can find more of what I do on Podraland at www.podraland.com, where I recommend women-hosted podcasts and feature indie women podcasters. So I hope to see you there. Feel free to subscribe to the newsletter 
newsletter, you'll get recommendations and updates about this podcast. And finally, make sure to share this episode, tag us in it, like that shit, give us a review. Anything you do helps not just this podcast get more exposure, but also helps these women's voices be heard by way more people. And ultimately, that's our goal. So let's fucking do it. 